welcome back to Zillennials Podcast. Today on Zillennials, we have a book club episode. So our book that we read for this month is we read The Starless Sea by Erin Morgenstern. Um, Leanne, do you want to start us off with some of your thoughts about the book? As an overall package, I listened to the audiobook, so I really liked the narration of it because the book uh, alternates between the main character, Zachary, and then a couple different older books and kind of goes back and forth. So they had different narrators for each, which I think helped keep it a little more organized because you're when you hear a different voice, it's a sign that, okay, so this is talking about something else. Um, I think there were parts where I liked the descriptions, but I think overall I never really bought into the story or could really get into it. What about you? I would agree with a lot of what you said. I liked that they like had this whole plot that was kind of interwoven and then like at the end it got all tied up. So I thought that was really cool. And I thought she did a great job describing different things. And I thought like language wise, she used very beautiful language, but I didn't feel emotionally attached to the characters. And I think that that was like kind of tough because it's like, while the book was an entertaining read, at the same time, it's hard to be invested if you're not invested in the characters. I agree. I thought it was really cool. So the different books that were interspersed with Zachary stories were called Sweet Sorrows. Fortune and Fables, Ballad of Simon and Eleanor, and then Written in the Stars, The Owl King, and Secret Diary of Katrina Hawkins was kind of how the whole book was divided up. And I thought it was really interesting at the end where the characters from the previous books were all related. Because in the beginning, it just seemed so random that you just couldn't really connect them. So I thought that was interesting. I think, like you were saying, is maybe because there were so many different books, I never really got invested in any particular storyline honestly i feel like my favorite part of the storyline was when zachary was still in vermont he got the book sweet sorrows and then he was just trying to figure the whole thing out but then once it started going it once he went like underground i started to get a little lost yeah i would agree i feel like that's because for the sweet sorrows part so that time when he was above ground i feel like everything was pretty like familiar as we would see it And I feel like once he went to the underground world, so like before he went to the Starless Sea, but like that underground world in between, I feel like a lot of the things were like, it was described very eloquently and described once. And so it's like, if you didn't catch it that one time, you'd be like, wait a minute, wait a minute, I need to go back. Like, what did I miss? What did I miss? And so I feel like that sometimes made it a little bit harder to follow. Like there were definitely times in this book because I read the physical copy where I would go back and I'd reread the page before and be like, wait a minute, what did I miss? Did I skim over this? Probably. I need to go back and I need to reread so that I understand better what's going on. I think it was hard too because a lot of the characters that you were introduced to in the Sweet Sorrows part in the beginning, so not the Sweet Sorrows story, but when we were still following Zachary, a lot of the characters weren't really relevant for the rest of the book. For example, you get introduced to Kat. So I feel like I started to get kind of attached to her and the librarian who was helping Zachary find the different books. I was like, okay, so these are the people that is going to be out. And then you like don't hear from them for the rest of the book. Yeah. And Kat, you didn't hear to hear about until like the last section of the book. And I thought that was really interesting because I really liked her character. Even when she came back in that last section of the book, I still felt like I was more attached to her than some of those people that he had met and had followed him throughout the whole book. I agree. I feel like if I had to pick a favorite character, it would be Kat. Because first of all, she's just like, 
I just love how super nerdy she is and how one of her hobbies is baking things but themed around the video game she likes to play. Like, I just thought that was like a really fun hobby. Yeah, I think that that's really cute. It kind of reminds me, I'm pretty sure there's like a YouTuber who does that where they bake like all of these desserts themed around video games and stuff. Or maybe it was books. I can't quite remember. But yeah. So I don't know. I thought that she was a very interesting character. Like the other characters I liked, I just didn't feel that attached to them. Even, and this is going to be a major spoiler, but even in the end when Zachary died, and this is going to make me sound kind of like a psychopath, like I was sad, but I wasn't like that sad. You know what I mean? Like, you know how sometimes you read a book and you're like crying when your favorite character dies or like your main character dies? I didn't get that reaction. I didn't either, but I think part of that could be it took me a while to figure out if he was actually like dead dead. Yeah, because there was that whole thing after that with the bees. Because like they were like, oh, Zachary died. But then they're like, let's tell a whole story about what Zachary does. But then he's supposedly dead. So I was like, is he actually dead? Yeah, I did have that moment too where I was like, so he's dead, but he's not dead because he's talking to these bees who are actually the kitchen. Okay, I admit, I did think it was kind of funny when, I forget what Zachary said, but then the bees were like, but you said you loved us. Yeah. And then Zachary is like, what? And then the bees, and then he figures out that the bees are the kitchen. But then they're like, we're not the kitchen. We're only the kitchen up there. But down here, we're ourselves. And I'm just like, some of it just went a little over my head. I agree. I, I think that that's the thing with her writing, because I remember like for the night circus, I really enjoyed it. But that was something that I noted about the book was sometimes even that. And I read that when I was like in high school, sometimes that would go over my head a little bit where I'd be like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What just happened? I need to reread, reread. I got to figure this out. But I do think that the bees were an interesting character. I liked how they talked. I thought it was so funny. It was just like it reminded me of like, you know how you would picture like a dog talking. That's how I felt like they talked. They were just so excited about everything. They were like, hello, we're so glad you're here. I feel like this might jump around a little, but my notes at the end were literally just like, what happened? Because I feel like I kind of spaced out at the end. And then there's this whole thing about how like Kat gets a key and then she opens a door and then literally so I try to take notes because usually I read further out and I need to remember, but for the last little chapter my only bullet point just says honestly not really sure how this ended do you want me to give you the lowdown of what i'm pretty sure happened in the ending yes okay so they fell through the floor of the world in between and by they i mean wasn't his name damien oh uh yeah dorian 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 not damien dorian so dorian and allegra fell through the floor of the world in between and fell into the starless sea then max aka maribel and zachary took an elevator down and then i think they got separated i'm not entirely sure how but i know that they somehow got separated and then he met up with simon and essentially helped simon leave this like temple that he was living in and they were having some discussions about time he ran into Dorian, but he thought it wasn't the real Dorian, so he gave him his sword. He was like, here, take this. You might need it. Because he kept like running into him, but like not believing it was the real him. And Dorian was seeing all of these fake Zacharys, and he would have to kill them continuously. And so that's why when he saw the real Zachary, he was like, oh, I'll know when it's the real Zachary. He didn't know. He killed him. That's why. That's how he died? 
Yeah, he like stabbed him with a sword. Yeah, clearly I was not paying attention at this point. I was also starting to listen to it on like, well, okay, I couldn't fully do two because I was like, no, that's too fast. But I did think I went up to like 1.75 because I was trying to finish it. And so I could have missed a lot. But um, I, one thing I do say about that little underground area. Well, actually, I had two thoughts. One relating to the kitchen is I love how you could just like order any food. And then it like when he had the whole dumpling thing and they were all like folded up like a little tour across the world. That was cool. Yeah. And two, I just love how many random cats there were. I'm not really sure why they had so many cats, but I was like, I'm here for it. So do you want me to tell you my theory about this book? Oh, actually circling back really quick to the rest of the ending. Uh, Dorian puts the heart that he was given into Zachary's chest and Zachary is able to live again. So is he not dead? No, he's not dead. So he was dead. But then like, you know, that little box with the heart that he got. Okay. He like put that into his chest and that's how. He got like a happy ending. Maribel was really like, at the end, she was like, you really thought I was not going to give you a happy ending? Ha, joke's on you. Of course I was going to give you a happy ending. Okay, because when we were talking about him being dead, I got real confused for a second because I thought we were saying that he was dead at the end. I was like, I swear he wasn't dead at the end. He died and then he came back to life because they needed a happy ending. Okay, now you can tell me your theory. Okay, here's my theory about this book. I think that Erin Morgenstern, I'm pretty sure that she just wrote it to express her love of books and how she wishes that there was a secret society for people who loved books and her love of cats. And this is my theory. And I will, I will fight for this theory because I truly believe that this is the reason why she wrote this book. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I feel like I could see that. I mean, the book part is obvious. Um, and I feel like the cat part makes sense too, just because it's so random. Like I love cats, but like, no offense to the cats in the book. They serve, like, no purpose. They're just there to be really cute and be like, oh, look, there are cats. It's non-threatening. There are cats here. I do agree with you, like, the insertion of cats all the time was a little bit random. I mean, like, not that I minded it, because I like cats, but it was, like, a little bit like, oh, there's another cat. <laughs> I feel like it's one of those things where if this book had a page limit, I feel like the editors would be like, okay, we need to cut some of these sentences about cats because they don't move the plot at all. It was literally like, Zachary is walking down a hallway and, oh, look, it's the squished-faced... I forget what kind of cat it was. But they kept describing him as squished-faced, which honestly, I feel kind of bad for the cat because I feel like it's clearly the only thing I remember about it is that its face was squished. That's true. That's true. In regards to the other characters who did actually, you know, move the plot along... You said Cat was your favorite. If you couldn't pick Cat, who would you have picked? Maybe, like, Zachary's mom? Zachary's mom was pretty cool. I thought that it was interesting how, like, he was the son of a fortune teller. I was like, oh, that's kind of neat. I don't know. Just premise-wise, I thought it was interesting. I don't know. But, like, in terms of the other characters, Max, I could never tell Max slash Maribel. I could never tell if I really liked her or if I didn't like her. At one point, I thought that Zachary was going to fall in love with her because he was like, oh my gosh, she's so majestic. And then we find out later that he falls in love with Dorian. And I was like, what? This is a plot twist I did not see coming. But then also, didn't Mirabelle Max have a thing with like the Keeper guy or something? Yes. So you know that whole story about fate and time? Yeah. They were fate and time. That was another thing that kind of tripped me up when they were like, oh, Mirabelle 
isn't a human. She's something else in the shape of a human. And I don't know. I have problems when things get that sort of level of like disconnected. Like it's very hard for me to buy into that type of stuff. Where it's like that level of conceptual. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm like, I feel like sometimes I can buy into it, but sometimes I can't. Like this book, I feel like sometimes I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And other times I was like, uh, so I think it just kind of depended a little bit on like the context and the timing of it. But I think if I'm not mistaken, I want to say Max slash Maribel was fate. And then the keeper was time because he was like consistently there. Oh, one thing I did think was kind of cool was how Allegra's story ended up coming together because I thought it was kind of cool because this follows this person, one of the books, and then you learn that she was the one and that's why she's closing all the doors. But then it was interesting too because I was like, I feel like she's kind of portrayed to be the evil character. Yeah, she was kind of portrayed to be the evil character. And I thought that it was interesting that like, you know, she must have known that somebody had to die to end the story. And so she was like, I'm going to try to close all the doors to kind of put a stop to it myself. I don't know. Everybody had like their own motivations. And I feel like that was something that was really fascinating about this plot is it was like always shifting and like you thought you knew somebody and then it would be like, oh, here's this other piece of information that you didn't know that completely changes your perception of them. I thought that was interesting too, because for a while with Allegra and then with Mirabelle, I couldn't figure out who was the good one and who was the bad one because things, you kept getting different pieces of information. Um, slightly unrelated, I didn't really see the whole Zachary Dorian relationship. I didn't understand why they liked each other. Like, I feel like there's no details in the book that like developed the relationship. It was just all of a sudden like, oh, they have feelings for each other. But like, you don't really know why. So I'm going to be honest with you. I sprint read the last 250 pages and I still did not see that relationship develop. As somebody who like, you know, read a large chunk of it in a short amount of time. So it should have had some sort of continuity. It definitely did not. So I agree with you on that. I didn't see that relationship developing. And I think that that was something that was like kind of frustrating and maybe made it harder to become so invested in the characters is like you'd see relationships forming among the characters, but you wouldn't see why they were forming. Like everything felt superficial. It was almost like we were told, okay, they have feelings for each other, but like you're like, why? I was like, I feel like they've only talked to each other for like a grand total of like an hour. Yeah, because they like went to go and rescue him because they were like, oh my gosh, he's missing. I'm pretty sure he and Zachary had that debacle where like he had to be left behind and Zachary was sent through the door and then he was captured and then they rescued him. And then all of a sudden Zachary has feelings for him. I was like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I was like, what? The only thing that's happened is you rescued him. Like that's, that's pretty much the only context I've gotten to this relationship. Yeah, I just don't. I just feel like there had to have been something more. Yeah, like even just including something that was more of like a bonding scene where like they're doing something together that's not as intense, maybe. I feel like that would have been a good way to segue into the relationship. I feel like the only time they were together when they weren't trying to save the book or do whatever they were doing was when Dorian was like drunk off something. Zachary was in his room and Dorian told him this whole story. And then I feel like everything else was just like them doing plot related stuff, which is fine because, you know, got to move the plot. But it doesn't really show you why these two people like each other, which could also be why when Zachary died, I was like, I didn't really feel that bad 
for the relationship because I was like, I don't see what the basis of that is anyway, which again may make me sound like a cold hearted, like terrible person. But I just didn't see like, I don't know. I feel like they just weren't that invested in each other or they couldn't have been based on what we knew. Yeah, I agree. And I'm like, I think too, with the length of the book, to give you context for those of you who um, haven't read it yet, it was like a 500 page book. For a 500 page book, I feel like they could have spent some more time developing that relationship. Okay, so my hot take on this book, for 500 something pages, I feel like not a lot happened. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I understand why it had to be a longer book. I think 500 pages was maybe a little bit excessive. Like, I think it could have been like a 300 or a 350 page book. But I think, like you said, there wasn't a ton that happened. It was a lot of interweaving of the stories or like telling these stories and then weaving them together at the end, which, like I said, that was an interesting way to have the book unroll and like, uh, be presented to the reader. But I do think that because there wasn't so much action that was happening, it did become a little bit slow at times. Like this was definitely not a book that I would typically sprint read. Like it was definitely a book that I would, you know, read over the course of several weeks. I agree. I think that it takes a lot of skill to write this book. But going back to one of our kind of criteria is if you're more of a plot based person, this might not be for you because it is very long and I feel like there is plot, but I feel like the main point of the book was when it ties all together, when the stories start connecting, but you have to get, what, three quarters of the way through the book before any of that starts to come together? That's very true. You definitely have to get pretty far into the book before you see all of these stories coming together. To be honest with you, I feel like people who like this book are not necessarily character-based or plot-based people, I feel like it's more so you enjoy descriptive writing and you enjoy conceptual thoughts. I think that those are the two boxes that people who enjoy this book would fall into. I think that's really accurate. And I think the reason why I didn't absolutely like not like the book is because I really liked the descriptions, but I think it was a little too conceptual for me. I don't really, I feel like I read for pleasure and like to escape so sometimes if the books get a little too conceptual it's like there's that little bit of friction where I'm like I'm doing this to unwind but it's requiring more this sounds really bad but it requires more effort than I want to put into it yeah like it requires a little bit more effort and a little bit more thought yeah because I definitely felt this way about this book where it's like it does require you to actively be thinking about and connecting these different stories together Maybe it would be better like as a second read around and like maybe I would have better feelings about it. But I think for like a first time read, which normally whenever we do these, you know, book podcasts, it's a first time read. I did feel like it was a little bit tough at times. Do you know what's funny, Leon? I feel like for our book clubs, you and I are both people who enjoy books. But I feel like when we talk about our book club episodes, we're like, OK, but I didn't like this and I didn't like this. And we kind of we become a little bit pickier. But I mean, like, at the same time, like, it's our honest opinions. So I don't know. Okay, I think part of it is because the somehow the lineup of books that we've chosen other than, say, Mexican Gothic, I think since September's has been either nonfiction, historical fiction that heavily relies on 
actual like history or something that is super conceptual, which I think maybe not the best picks for somebody who just went full time and is taking on extra things at school and someone who just started law school. Like maybe we should have just picked fluffier reads for this season of our lives. You know, our planning potentially could have been better. I feel like honestly, what we should do is like those more like conceptual and intense books, maybe put those in the summer months when like I'll be working part time or like doing something low key. You might be working part time too. So I feel like, you know, when we have more of like the time and the the mentality to appreciate those books more, I feel like that would be the best time to put them. And then maybe during like the school year, have more of some fluffy book reads. Yeah, I feel like we haven't liked a lot of the book or not that we haven't liked. We haven't loved, let's say, a lot of the books that we read recently. But I feel like that's also kind of how books go. I feel like as somebody who just like doesn't want to say bad things about a book, in a way, I'm like kind of proud of myself for just being honest and be like, yeah, this is what was good. This is what I didn't like. Yeah. And, you know, I think what's interesting is when I was a teenager reading a book, I feel like because everything was so straightforward, I was like, oh, my gosh, I love this because I understand everything that I read. And now as an adult reading books, I'm like oh, like, this is a lot more complex. Like, I feel like the author thought this out way more than I did. (laughs) And so it's like, I got to, you know, try to keep up and make informed decisions and think about what's going to happen next. And so I think because it does require a little bit more effort and, you know, everybody's got, I would say, a more distinct writing style for writing books for adults. I think that's why it's like, there are some that we really like and there are some that we really don't because it's like somebody's writing style may be your cup of tea and then the next one is not. I think also it's interesting. This one's more fantasy related and so is our, was it our February one? Um, I feel like I haven't found adult fantasy that I like. Okay, I tried reading this fantasy book called The King something or other. I can't remember what it is. It's literally sitting in my room. I just haven't touched it for like the last month because I've been trying to read this book. But I started reading this one and I thought it was going to be really good. And I like all of the names are so similar, but not. They're just like so unusual, I guess, that it's like I get lost. I feel like, you know how people were really obsessed with, what was it, Game of Thrones? And there was like a million and one characters. I feel like that's how fantasy books written for adults tend to be, is it's like you've got a lot of different characters, names that are not typically names you would hear, so it becomes pretty hard to follow. I agree with that. I think it's the sheer volume of characters and also the fact that the person's creating a world from scratch, that there's so much to learn. And I think maybe in general, or even for the podcast, which to be honest, I feel like we don't have time for this for the podcast, but multiple reads might help because I feel like on the first read, there's so much to take in because you're learning about the, like, the society, you're learning about the characters, that you're not going to pick up everything. I think also with child fantasy, um, there's fewer characters. Yeah, I feel like you get introduced to your core group of characters right away, and that's the group of characters you stick with. Whereas as I'm reading more and more books written for adults, I realize that that's not the case. Like the first couple of characters you're getting introduced to, they might be in the story, they might not. You might run into people along the way, maybe they'll be important, maybe they won't. Who knows? You got to keep reading to find out. 
I also think like what I've noticed is that fantasy books in general, but especially for adults, are so long. Dude, yeah. They're like so long. It's crazy. I don't know. Like, I'm open to exploring the genre more, but I feel like it's probably not one of my like go-to picks. See, my thing is like for fantasy books, I really liked them like when I was a teenager, but I have yet to find a fantasy book that I really enjoy as an adult. So if you're listening and you have any fantasy books you want us to try, let us know because I feel like I'm still looking for that one. Same. Or like a couple of authors who you think write really good fantasy books, like let us know. We'd be happy to check them out. It's just a matter of I don't think we've If we were Goldilocks, we haven't found the correct porridge, you know? We have not. Also, I feel like we're really channeling Goldilocks this quarter. I agree, where it's like, you know, these books could be something that's good for somebody else, but maybe for us, it's just not the fit. With this book, I feel like it kind of reminds me of like, you know, if you had like a dream and you're trying to remember it the next day, that's very much like the vibes I get from this book, where it's like beautiful and descriptive, but also kind of like you have some elements or some things that you might not always fully comprehend until a little bit later, or maybe you have to go back and you need to revisit them. I think what's interesting about this is, I I mean, it's probably clear. I didn't love the storyline. I liked how it was, how it all tied together, because I'm always impressed when authors tie things together, because I was like, that must have required so much pre-planning. Like, you can't just wing that. And, you know, with the writing, that it doesn't turn me off from wanting to read the night circus at some point i just don't think i would be doing that anytime soon but i feel like i would still want to read it even though i didn't love this book mm-hmm. yeah i think this book overall i liked it but it wasn't like my favorite book like is it one that i would be racing back to go and pick up again i don't think so but i think that that's okay you know i think it's one that maybe in a couple of years or a couple of months maybe i'll choose to go back and revisit it To be honest, it'll probably be a couple of years if I'm going to be frank with you, just because we've got other books to read for the podcast. But um, like we've said, conceptually, it's very interesting. Language wise, it's very interesting. Like the language in it kind of reminds me of All the Light We Cannot See. I love that one. He just came out with a new book. Really? Mm hmm. We should put that on our list. I know. I'm so excited. I think for you, what I would recommend in a couple years, if you ever feel like revisiting this, is I would listen to the audiobook if I were you. Just because you've already read it once, and like I said, the changing narrators really helped. Yeah, and I mean, it wasn't like, when they switched over stories, that part didn't confuse me. Like, I was very clearly like, oh, this is another chapter in the book that they're reading. I understand that. It was more so just like, sometimes I would get a little lost in the language and I need to read through it a couple times to make sure that I was understanding what was happening. Yeah, I don't think the storylines got confused at all. It's pretty easy to keep them separate. But I think when you're not physically looking at a copy as an audiobook, when there's multiple perspectives, I feel like when you have nothing to look at, it's easier when they switch narrators versus having the same person for everything. That's true. Also, one of my questions that I feel like never got answered in this book was I was curious to see if Mirabelle, a.k.a. Max, was going to meet Eleanor, her mom, which from my understanding, they never met. And I was like, what do you mean they never? Or like, you know, again, if you will, I'm sure that, that, you know, when she was born, she lived with her mom. But like, 
they never interacted as adults. And it really like made me upset. I was like, I want to see what they interact like or what their interaction is like as adults. I want to know. Doesn't Eleanor drive? You steer a ship? I don't know what you do with a ship. Doesn't she do whatever verb you do to a ship at like the very bottom level or something like that? I know Dorian ran into her on a ship or something like that. Yeah, he ran into her on a ship. Yeah, she like runs a ship or captains a ship. I also want to see Mirabel, aka Max, meet her dad because I need to have those loose ends tied up. Like, I don't know. It's just, it bothers me. I need them to be tied up so I can just see their interaction and know what it's going to be like. And I thought that it was interesting that Zachary didn't tell him, he didn't tell Simon that, that Simon had a daughter because Simon didn't know that he had a daughter because he was lost in time. That is interesting. I was like, oh my gosh, I want to know what his reaction would be. I want to see what he'd be like when he meets her. And I also wondered because Mirabelle, aka Max, was like the plot master, right? She was the one like pulling all the strings or the story sculptor, I think is what they called her. Um, I also wonder why she didn't make it so that she would eventually meet them. I don't know, because she did say like it's a lot of presenting opportunities and it depends on like if you take those opportunities or not. Like I would be curious to know if she presented those opportunities especially to Simon, to meet her. Maybe she did. Maybe. I don't know. So those are my curiosities and my questions that I have left after reading this book. I feel like they're valid. I feel like none of those were answered. I also think when I finished this book, I was just kind of proud that I finished. I didn't really have any questions. I don't know if that makes me a bad reader or not. I don't think it makes you a bad reader. I think sometimes like, sometimes you have questions at the end of a book and other times you're like, that was a book. We're done. So would you recommend this to a friend? Probably not, but not because I didn't like it. I tend to only recommend books that are like my favorite book or like, you know, my current favorite because I just read it and really liked it. So I don't think I liked it enough to just randomly bring it up. But maybe if someone was like, oh, I like these types of books, then I might suggest it. But I don't think it would just be like an out of the blue Yeah, I could see that. I feel like I'd only suggest it to people who I know either really enjoy writing because I feel like they would appreciate everything coming together at the end or people who are really into conceptual thought, which I feel like that's been the theme of this. But yeah, overall, I think this book was a little bit overrated. What are your feelings on it? Well, seeing as I never read The Night Circus, I didn't really have any baseline of what the hype was about this one. I feel like it was just average. Yeah, I agree. It was a little bit average. I think just because the Night Circus has so much hype around it, I expected a little bit more from Erin Morgenstern, which, don't get me wrong, she had some really amazing things that she did in this book. I just was a little bit upset by the fact that I didn't feel a connection to a lot of the characters. Okay, I want a story about Kat. Me too. I think, do you know what I'd like? I'd like a spinoff story of her searching for Zachary. Yeah. And like her life while she's doing that. I think that would be a great spinoff story. I would read that. I would definitely read that. Me too. Well, our next book club is going to be Atomic Habits by James Clear. And we're going to have a guest on that episode. But yeah, we hope you join us for that one. Um, Leanne, do you want to tell us a little bit about Atomic Habits? So I read this book earlier this year, and I think it's very interesting because it's not so much just about the science of habits and why they're good and, you know, why you should have them when you want to do 
X, Y, or Z. What I think is very interesting about it is that he makes it very practical and gives a framework for like steps that you can actually take. So I think it's very approachable. And I did suggest this for January because, you know, a lot of people are goal setting then. And he has a very interesting approach to focusing on the process more so than the goal. Well, thanks for that summary. I think it was nice. I think that'll be uh, helpful to people who are, you know, not sure if they want to read it or not. We hope you enjoyed our discussion on The Starless Sea by Erin Morgenstern. If you have any thoughts about this book that you would like to share with us, feel free to send us an email, DM us on Instagram, or send us a message in our Discord channel. And don't forget to rate Zillennials Podcast on Apple Podcasts. You can find us at Zillennials Podcast on Instagram or email us at zillennialspodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to hit the subscribe button and stay a while. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time.